It's Friday, June the 25th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, progress on infrastructure and police reform, and DD rides to Wall Street. First, the world in brief. President Joe Biden struck a deal on an infrastructure bill worth around $1.2 trillion, roughly half in new spending, with a group of senators from both parties. It falls far short of Mr Biden's original proposal, but such is compromise. Or cunning. As soon as the deal was announced, Mr Biden insisted that an equally large expenditure on quote, human infrastructure, including childcare, education and clean energy, could be tacked on later via quote, reconciliation in the Senate. Republicans cried foul. Congressional negotiators announced progress in agreeing the framework of a police reform bill, but gave no further details. Lawmakers have been in talks for weeks about what could be included in such a bill. Demands for changes in how America is policed have increased since Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd in Minneapolis last year. Mr Chauvin will be sentenced today. Didi Susin, China's answer to Uber, is seeking a valuation of more than $60 billion as it prepares to list on the NYSE. That could make the ride-hailing giant's IPO the biggest on American stock markets this year. Yet it represents a chastened approach. At one point, Didi had hoped to fetch $100 billion, having been valued at more than $60 billion in 2017. Hong Kong promoted two of the officials behind the crackdown on protests against the territory's government and its national security law. John Lee, the Secretary of Security, is to be the new Chief Secretary, second-in-command to the city's Chief Executive. Tang Ping Kang, the Chief of Police, has replaced Mr Lee in the Security Bureau. Svetlana Tikhonovskaya, a Belarusian opposition leader, condemned the, quote, sham trial of her husband and five others, calling the proceedings, quote, personal revenge. Sergei Tikhonovskaya announced a run against Alexander Lukashenko last summer, before being arrested two days later. Ms. Tekhanovskaya then took up his mantle, only to be forced into exile a day after Mr. Lukashenko stole the election and declared himself re-elected as president. Over the past year, the valuation of GOAT, a trainer resale platform, doubled to $3.7 billion. Its latest funding round raised $195 million. The company found its footing with a growing subculture of, quote, sneakerheads, willing to pay through the nose for popular but hard-to-find merchandise. The global trainer resale market could reach $30 billion by 2030, according to Cowan, an investment firm. Microsoft unveiled Windows 11, the biggest overhaul of its flagship computer operating system since it released Windows 10 in 2015. The American software giant claims its, quote, next generation operating system will be better for remote work, more secure and more intuitive for users. A preview version will be available for app developers next week before general release later this year. And fact of the day, 13% of all shopfronts in Manhattan's West Village are vacant, compared with 1.9% in 2007. And now here's today's agenda. Derek in the dock. Chauvin's sentencing. Derek Chauvin, the ex-police officer convicted of murdering George Floyd in Minneapolis last year, will be sentenced today. His lawyers, citing his previous lack of criminal record and the risks imprisonment poses to his health, have asked the judge for probation, an unlikely outcome. Prosecutors want 30 years, well above the 12.5 suggested by state guidelines, though below the 40-year maximum. Meanwhile, police reform efforts sparked by Mr Floyd's murder trudge on. 
On June 24th, congressional negotiators announced, quote, an agreement on a framework for a police reform bill, but it still has a long way to go. It helps that the shriller calls to, quote, defund the police have quietened. Eric Adams, an ex-policeman running on a strong public safety message, leads the polling for New York's mayoral race. And faced with a national spike in murders, Joe Biden on Wednesday encouraged states to use some of their $350 billion in COVID-19 stimulus funds to pay for more cops. Farewell Tour Afghan President Visits America Afghanistan's embattled head of state, Ashraf Ghani, is in Washington to meet Joe Biden. He leaves a bleak situation at home. America has propped up Afghanistan with troops and money for 20 years. Those forces are now leaving. Their departure has buoyed an already resurgent Taliban. The militants have captured many rural districts in recent weeks. The despondent Afghan forces that America spent years and billions building appear powerless to stop the advance. Assessments of the government's chances are getting gloomier. America insists the withdrawal does not signal the end of its support. In public, the two presidents will talk up an enduring friendship. America will still fund the government and perhaps provide more arms-length military help, keeping 650 troops to defend diplomats and maintaining Afghan aircraft. In private, they are likely to discuss revitalising their moribund talks with the Taliban. But the insurgents on the front foot have little desire to parley. Toshibai Mutiny at Toshiba Toshiba's chairman, Nagayama Osamu, is in danger of losing his job. The Japanese industrial giant's entire board of directors, including Mr Nagayama, are up for a vote today following an explosive investigation. Reportedly, the company colluded with the Japanese government to put pressure on foreign investors to shun a campaign waged against Toshiba by activist shareholders last summer. In recent years, the Japanese government had tried to welcome more foreign investment. Corporate Japan has long been wary of overseas shareholders, seeing them as disruptive of the country's insular business culture. Those predictions proved correct when Efisimo Capital Management, a Singapore-based hedge fund, led the charge against Toshiba's management last July. Efisimo's gambit was unsuccessful then. But the hardball tactics Toshiba allegedly employed in getting the government to fight its battles may now make those fears come true, particularly as today's vote could go either way. Roll out the red carpet. Cinemas return. Hollywood's summer blockbuster season begins today with the launch in America of F9, the latest in the Fast and Furious Cars and Explosions series. Universal Pictures, the film's distributor, delayed its release by more than a year after COVID-19 closed cinemas and spooked audiences. Now, America's theatres have reopened, but takings are less than half their pre-pandemic level. With a reported budget of over $200 million, F9 is the biggest gamble on the box office so far. However it fares, cinemas are forever changed. Studios such as Warner Brothers have taken to releasing their films at home on the same day as in the theatre to drive subscribers to their streaming services. Disney, which makes more money at the box office than anyone else, says its new films will get an exclusive run in cinemas of just 45 days, half the length of the old theatrical window. Cinema bosses may be furious, but the film business is changing fast. Footnotes Our China editor on the Communist Party 
the Chinese Communist Party is about to celebrate its 100th birthday. James Miles, our China editor, examines the reasons for the party's resilience in his special report this week. Most of the sources James cited are in Chinese. This was necessary for a few reasons. The most interesting parts of speeches by Xi Jinping, China's president and the party's leader, often available only in Chinese. James's report also looks at how the party works internally, which required poring over Chinese language materials published by the party and state media. There were some English language sources James found useful. Mao, The Real Story by Alexander Pantsov and Stephen Levine includes details of the hushed discussions that marked the party's former birth at its first national congress. In The Formation of the Chinese Communist Party, Ishikawa Yoshihiro of Kyoto University goes into more depth on that event and explores the global intellectual influences that shaped the party. Since 1949, the Communist Party has grown in strength and fortified itself against collapse. Bruce Dixon, a professor at George Washington University, discusses popular attitudes towards the party in his new book, The Party and the People. An article by Adrian Zenz in the Journal of Political Risk provides insight into the party-led internment campaign in Xinjiang province, while an investigation by Reuters sheds light on how China controls Uyghur refugees abroad. What does the next century hold for the world's most powerful political party? That may depend on whether the next transfer of power is smooth or bumpy. For more from James, follow him on Twitter at Jar Miles. Finally, here's the quote of the day from George Orwell, who was born on this day in 1903. If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 